Please fasten your seatbelts. The skies are rough and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. Anything that prevents my access to, to food and buffets has to go. Yeah, I agree. You know, the funny thing about COVID is you never thought that the continental breakfast could get worse than it already is. You got to put your mask on or this is, how you're, this is how you're exiting the plane. Give them a choice. One hand, mask. One hand, parachute. They have to pick one. There is no excuse for being rude to airplane staff. And if you are the person that does that, stay the fuck home. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And do we have any, like, noisemakers or blowhorns or uh, vuvuzelas on hand, Tim? Because it's 2022, and I feel like we have to uh, mark the occasion somehow. Well, Evan, no, we don't because we don't have a live audience, unfortunately, but we hope to do some live shows in 2022. So then we will have all kinds of crazy noises. Can you at least, like, whistle, like... Do you do like the two fingers in your mouth thing where you do the loud whistle? Shamefully, Evan, I can't whistle. And it's a very sore subject that my wife makes fun of me of constantly. I can't either. So, no, I can't. I can't do anything. (laughs) There's our mutual New Year's resolution. We'll both learn to whistle in 2022. This is me trying to whistle. No, not working. That's the most bizarre whistle I've ever heard in my life. I thought you said we didn't have any blowhorns. Jesus Christ. <laughs> right, we, we take a little break so our listeners can emotionally recover from whatever the hell that was. Um, <laughs> well, if that wasn't festive enough, we're, we're going to bring in 2022 another way with a uh, special episode for you guys where we do all those things everyone tells you you're supposed to do on New Year's. Reflecting, recalibrating, and wildly speculating about what the next year might bring. We're each going to be talking about our favorite episodes from the past year, our favorite destinations we've been in 2021, the best books we've read this past year, and finally, travel trends we hope die in 2022. That's right, Evan. I'm actually really excited for this because it's always good to look back and actually kind of appreciate the body of work that you've created. And we're coming into our 60s as far as episode count, so that's that's a pretty good amount of work. I know. I think this is 61. That's exciting. It would be really nice round uh, round out the whole experience if it was 60, but you can't win them all. Well, it's funny because looking back as we're doing, I recall on our 20th episode when we did the first episode kind of like this where it was just you and I, we were like awestruck that we made it to 20, and now we're in our 60s. I'm out. Just think what we'll do for the big 100. We'll have to have Todd on again, I guess, <laughs> for our for our I tradition. So, I mean, because there's no better way to kick off a new year than with an extremely self-indulgent segment about how great our own show is, we'll start with our favorite episodes. Tim, why don't you kick it off with yours? Sure. Okay. So my, my favorite episode, both of the past year and since we started the show, I think was season two, episode 11, Inside the Line, Saudi Arabia's Neom and the Future of Cities. Which, you know, not to be shameless about it, but did feature Matador CEO Ross Borden. But what I loved about it was the fact that we're talking about a destination that neither of us have ever been to. uh, A destination that is not even a destination in the minds of most travelers, but that could become one in the near future. And 
everything about that episode was very forward thinking. I just, I really liked the approach. I liked the insight that Ross provided about the line and about the people of Saudi and how they think about the future of their country. And I liked how outside the box the whole episode was. Yeah, and it actually brought to mind a travel destination that's now my number one in 2022, a place I want to go, which is Saudi Arabia, which is a place I'd never even considered going. Being able to talk all things ethical tourism, uh, traveling during COVID, kind of Omicron speculation. It, it was a good bridge between past and future when it comes to travel trends. Uh, so we'll we'll go ahead and play a little clip for you guys here. I was really, really inspired by the Saudi people in general, by the huge population of young Saudis, and then by just like the, the outlook and optimism of everyone I met. That, to me, is the beautiful thing about travel media and Matador in particular, is its openness to being able to tell these stories from a, a non-typical news voice. Particularly Americans are just fearful of the entire world. They think like Mexico is a drug war. They think Colombia is a drug war. They think anywhere in the Middle East is crawling with terrorists. People are like, do you really think now is the best time with what's going on in the world to go to Africa? And I'm like, absolutely. All right. Well, my favorite episode of this past year was episode eight, the new F words, Facebook, fake news, and photojournalism with Jengis Yar. This guy, Jengis, was super interesting, super relevant to the times we're living in, and he has some really fascinating insights to share about media, about uh, how people consume media, how people consume information in general, the issues that people are facing right now, both at home and abroad. And it was interesting to hear that as somebody that was a listener, uh, not on the show because I was out on paternity leave when it happened, but Cengiz is somebody that I've been following on social media for a few years now. I'm a big fan of his work, and that's why I was excited that he came on the show. And it, it was awesome to hear his takes on some of his photos and, and written work that he's put out there. Uh, now that I've been following him for a while, actually hearing him talk about the story behind creating that work and why it's important and how he sees the future of global conflict and reporting and kind of international relationship relations playing out. I, I think I, I personally am fascinated by foreign correspondents and their line of work. I think they're some of the most badass people on the planet and being able to hear them talk about it is equally fascinating to me. Yeah. And we, a lot of what we do is for entertainment and for fun and we want you guys to laugh and be able to get some cool travel inspiration. But this episode in particular, to me, was about kind of raising awareness of social media literacy and doing what we can to bring an important issue to people's attention. So for that reason, I think it's really worth a listen, a departure from what we're, we usually do and what we're usually about. So here's a little clip. Take a listen. Can photojournalism bring about change in a way that is is real and lasting. Meeting with families on the worst day of their life. And then I, I take their picture, I take some information about them, and I step away. I have so little impact on making their day any better. You want to believe that it's helping someone, but you also, you know, you don't want to delude yourself either. What kind of change am I, am I contributing to the people specifically that I'm meeting? It sucks. And, I, and it's something I just, I grapple with. That was a great episode. And my second favorite episode we did this year, Evan, was episode 44, The Great Indoors with Ivy Lee, who is a fellow podcaster who 
kind of does a secure a satirical take on exploring the outdoors as an indoorsy person who doesn't like exploring the outdoors and for me as a colorado guy and as somebody who is into exploring the outdoors as a as a regular part of my life that episode was kind of a a wake-up call to a lot of things first of all my worldview um you know ivy kind of countered a lot of it and threw a lot of my white privilege back in my face which was pretty good i think it was uh it was one of the more reflective episodes from my perspective and actually the most interesting thing that happened in that episode was ivy messaged me after it came out uh kind of talking about how the story arc of the episode and myself kind of reflecting back on some of my missed uh, perceptions of, of how things are in the outdoors community uh, and and challenging me and the way I thought about it. So that was, it was cool. It was cool to take myself out of my own comfort zone there. Yeah, your character arc was really uh, one for the books there, Tim, a real hero's journey. Um, as a fellow indoorsman myself, it was great to have her confirm my worldview <laughs> and that I'm not actually insane and that the indoors is in fact awesome. So Ivy was a great interview and highly encourage you guys to check it out. So yeah, take a listen to this one. Do you think that there should be like a special zone for indoors people at the base of a mountain? When white people find something that they love, avocados, Christianity, they go fucking apeshit about it, right? They go wild. They want everyone to know. They talk about it all the time. It probably took me having a conversation with you two to be able to feel comfortable saying these things. And finally, we have another favorite of mine, episode one, Inside OnlyFans in the NSFW Travel World. That's episode one of season two with Lauren Blake, an OnlyFans star and travel host. Our first episode to kick off our new season with Matador, one of my all-time favorites. She told us everything that you've ever wanted to know about OnlyFans and what goes on behind that mysterious curtain. We got some fascinating insights some kind of gross insights and i think she answered questions that people have been a little afraid to ask in public and that's always my favorite kind of episode right actually what i loved the most about that episode was that it kind of gave a validity and a personality to a platform on the web that people tend to stereotype very severely before they've ever checked it out i think that you know, regardless of the reason why a content creator is on OnlyFans, there's an assumption of why they're on OnlyFans and a lack of looking at the deeper perspective of what that person is trying to do with their life. And I really liked how Lauren broke down everything that she's doing and how OnlyFans is actually only a part of what she's doing with herself and her career and her media work and her uh, modeling and everything that she's doing. I, th I really liked getting a deeper perspective on a platform that everybody's heard of, but nobody really takes the time to look into. My favorite episodes are ones where we can break down misconceptions because that's true with Lauren. It's true right. in Inside the Line, like you just mentioned with Saudi Arabia. People's perceptions of Saudi Arabia often differ from reality. We confuse modernization with westernization. It's true in our one of our most recent episodes with Santa Claus, talking to the big guy himself, uh, learning all about what actually goes on at the North Pole. Lotta, he's, he's real. He's actually there. Like we we know for sure. There are sure no more now. misconceptions surrounding any one person on this earth than Santa Claus. So that's a big theme with us. So go ahead, listen to this uh, this clip from Lauren. They have these 
fetishes where they will pay any amount to see you do this. They want to buy things from you, like send me dirty socks and like that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, well shit, okay. Like I, I bought these socks for $10, but I'm gonna sell them to you for a thousand. Would you follow Tim if he made a, an, an OnlyFans for his hat influencing? I already follow Tim's OnlyFans. You just don't know about it yet. Nice, you're my first fan. My first fan. Woo. All right, and with that, we'll go into our second segment of our special New Year's episode where we're going to talk about our favorite travel destinations of 2021. Now, caveat here, it's been a COVID year, so don't have as many to choose from as we might in a normal year. Uh, But uh, Tim, for example, you haven't left the country, right? (laughs) No, I haven't. I haven't left the country in two, almost two years. I guess it'll be two years in March. And uh, my favorite destination this year was Idaho, which was a place I'd never been to before. And that's kind of been a highlight to me of the last COVID couple of years is I've explored a bunch of America that I never really took the time to go to before. And Idaho in particular stood out because it's kind of like Colorado was 30 years ago. Uh, there's The outdoor access is phenomenal. I was there on a river trip outside of the town of Lewiston, which reminds me of a smaller uh, version of Grand Junction where I live now, uh, Western Colorado. Idaho kind of has that same vibe where the people there are very into this kind of natural surroundings of where they live. A, it's beautiful. There's a ton of exploring to do there. But I really liked how friendly and welcoming everybody was in Lewiston. Uh, the hotel I stayed at was great. Everybody from like the, the cab ride I took from the airport to the hotel was one of the most memorable cab rides I've ever had. This guy just chatted me up about all of the crazy people he drives around in this small little town. Uh, people that go with him every day. It was like what, what I'd expect to see in a New York cab in a cab in this like tiny town of 50,000 people. By what you'd expect in a New York cab, do you mean someone like shooting up heroin in the backseat? You know, that didn't happen, but... I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the next stories he was going to tell me because this guy, this guy, and you kind of always think that with cabbies, they see it all. You know, you never know who's going to get in your cab next. And this guy was just a chatterbox driving me ten minutes from the airport to my hotel downtown. But being in Idaho, it's like it's like the Northwest state that everyone forgets about because everybody goes to Oregon and Washington, and they go to Seattle and they go skiing at Mount Baker or they go to Mount Hood. But nobody thinks to go to these places in Idaho and. Being on the Salmon River uh, and camping along the river uh, outside of Lewiston was an incredible experience, super remote, but the people there are amazing and the beer is amazing. I, I liked it a lot. Do people call it the Potato Riviera? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they did. They didn't to me because I feel like where I was was not the prime potato country. Big marketing opportunity missed. Welcome to the Potato Riviera. All right, Idaho. If you can't leave the country, you don't want to leave the country, concerned about COVID, head to Idaho. Easy to socially distance in Idaho. So for me, I I did leave, I actually, the opposite of Tim, I didn't really travel anywhere domestically, but I took a few international trips, the first of which post-COVID was to Baden-Baden, Germany. So that was my first international trip in about a year and a half. And it was, let me just say, the perfect place to dip my toes back into travel to to shake off those travel cobwebs but it's a spa town a kind of ritzy spa town on a group trip for work and i was a little skeptical because i'm not a spa guy i have an incredibly hard time just relaxing but thought i'd go on a limb first 
post-COVID trip, I wanted to be a little relaxing, didn't want to do anything too intense, too adventurous. So I was like, yeah, we'll go to Germany, we'll go to Baden-Baden, this nice spa town. And it was so nice, really kind of shattered my expectations. I, I got a massage and somehow managed to relax for maybe five of the 45 minutes. Because uh, it's tough. To, we've talked about this before. Massages are tough. It's tough to like, they dig their hands into you like they're torturing you sometimes. And it's, I know there's a, there's a science behind it, but it's not always pleasant. So I learned to kind of come to terms with massages, went to a, a nice casino, hit up some spas. It's right on the edge of the Black Forest. So in addition to being a really nice town, a historic town, you can walk 10 minutes from the center of town and be right in the Black Forest. There's hiking, biking, whatever you want to do in there. And I will say one other thing that stuck out to me on this trip was, you know, I've been in the U.S. for like a year and a half, hadn't left the country. I got used to my routine. I go there, you know, I'm eating a lot of German food, a lot of uh, a lot of rump steak, a lot of schnitzel, dumplings, and a lot of mushrooms, chanterelles, a lot of mushrooms. And by the time I was, you know, this is my second week there, I was just kind of sick of it. And, you know, I was like, you know what, I kind of want some a taste of home. Around the corner from my hotel, I find this American diner called Jones K's American Diner. I walk in, like a 50s-style retro diner, really authentic-looking, run by Lebanese people, incredibly friendly people, great food. And as I was leaving, I went there, full disclosure, I'll admit, I went there two nights in a row. Second night, they probably recognized me. They are like, who is this, this solo American guy that keeps coming in? They gave me a free piece of apple pie. They were like, this guy, authentic American, is coming in. We're going to give him a free piece of apple pie just as a, you know, make him feel right at home. So Germany, great. The American diners in Germany, also great. <laughs> so check those out too. Jones K. Shout out to Jones K. Well, you know, I've, I, my entire German experience was about an hour in the Dusseldorf train station. So I, I haven't uh, explored it as much as you have, but I would love to get over there sometime. Yeah, well, with that, we'll go into our next segment, which is our favorite books of 2021. And I guess I'll start this one off. Uh, The first one I'll talk about is After the Fall by Ben Rhodes. The book talks about the rise of autocracy around the world, spotlighting uh, the U.S., uh, Russia, uh, Hungary, and the strongman leaders that have come into power there in the last five to eight years and how it's part of a global trend of autocratic rulers, nationalist movements. And it's, it's, it's disturbing and it's not, it's not encouraging, but it's a really good read and it's really entertaining if you're interested in geopolitics and learning about international relations. That's, that's awesome, Evan. Actually, Ben Rhodes is a great, uh, a great writer. I read his book, The World As It Is, which recounted his time as the Deputy National Security Advisor for Barack Obama. And his take on global politics is, to my worldview, spot on and so well informed and, and, and even humorous in certain ways that I'm going to have to go out and read this book now that you're talking about because I have not read After the Fall, but I love The World As It Is and I, I'll read anything Ben Rhodes writes. Yeah, it came out just this year, and if you're interested in Russia especially, if you're interested in uh, Russian-American diplomacy or learning more about Hungary, Viktor Orban, uh, uh, countries and rulers you might not really know about, it's it's great. So that's my uh, first book for 2021. How about you, Tim? Yep, my first one is also uh, also about foreign politics. It was It's a book about North Korea, a place that's even probably less known to most Americans than Hungary uh, and, and European world leaders, but it's a book called 
Uh, See You Again in Pyongyang by Travis Jeppesen. I picked this book up while I was on a trip to Portland and pretty much read the entire book within a week because it's fascinating to hear how Jeppesen traveled around North Korea, Korea as the, over the course of a semester as a student studying Korean in Pyongyang. Uh, he was one of the few people who's traveled off the beaten path in North Korea. And by beaten path, I mean the strict tourist track that they let people come in when they're on week-long tours. He spent months there along with two other guys and was able to visit a number of towns, beaches, hotels, museums, places that people generally don't even know exist, let alone have the opportunity to visit, and also shares a lot of conversations that he had with North Koreans, kind of under the radar, not just his tour guide. So it was fascinating to learn the perception of North Koreans to Americans who are living in their country and to to a guy that goes in and just basically reports without them really knowing that he's reporting on North Korea. It was an incredible read. That's a book I want to pick up because as we talked about on a few recent episodes, I really want to go to North Korea once they li- the U.S. lifts their travel restriction. And uh, it's, it's probably my number one travel destination. It probably won't happen in 2022 or 2023, if we're being honest. But in the near future, I would love to go there. And uh, I, I think we want to have either the author or someone, a North Korea expert on the show in 2022 as well, because I think it's a topic that we're both super interested in. I think a lot of people are really interested in. Well, on a similar uh, note, to continue this geopolitical trend we're on, my next book is called Land of Big Numbers by T. Ping Chen. And the book is basically uh, a collection of short stories about life in contemporary China. And the the stories are fiction, but they're rooted in real social norms throughout China. And it really spotlights the brutality of the totalitarian regime and the oppressiveness of the Chinese Communist Party from a ground level view. So this is it's a fiction it's fictional stories. This isn't a, a nonfiction book. And you know, it ranges from a guy who works a government's troubleshooting hotline uh, to a character whose sister who's in college starts becoming interested in uh, revolutionary thought online and starts posting in online in prohibited uh, online forums about her rebellious political views who ends up getting stifled by the government in a, a kind of a brutal way the range of stories is really remarkable and shows someone like me who doesn't know a whole lot about china and didn't really know a whole lot before i picked up the book really what life is like under the chinese communist party uh all right tim what's your last book so my last book is um, a novel, which is unique for me because I, I'm not a huge fiction guy, but I do appreciate a good novel now and then. So this book is called The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. And this book talks about a group of women in 1800s Kentucky who go out to deliver library books to people in very remote rural areas. Uh, it's fascinating because... Throughout the entire book, they're up against oppression from the police, oppression from their husbands slash partners, um, and societal thoughts about whether or not women should be A, running a business, B, giving out books, and C, challenging the way of thought that has dominated that con- or that area of the country uh, since it was settled by the white men, and that is, of course, the Bible. So th- the way these women dealt with all of their oppression and eventually with being framed for a murder that they did not commit uh, is inspiring. 
and a tale of progress that I think uh, everybody in this country should appreciate. And uh, you know what? We all need more books in our life, and that's what they were doing. And it's actually based on a true story. So, Is it about kind of like censorship? In short, it's about women challenging the patriarchy, and it's about the idea of books helping people expand their minds. Uh, and it's told in a, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. Jojo Moyes actually is one of my favorite writers just out of, after this book. Her, her writing is phenomenal. Well, as evidenced by us having a segment on our favorite books, uh, I think you can safely say we're on board with that theme. Well, our last segment of the show today, Travel Trends We Hope Die in 2022. Do you want to kick it off? Yeah, man, let's do it. So (laughs) the biggest thing I would like to see uh, die in 2022 is all of the unnecessary fighting and arguing taking place on airplanes. There is absolutely no excuse for not wearing a mask on an airplane, and there is no excuse for being rude to airplane staff. And if you are the person that does that, stay the fuck home. All right, so here's my take on this. If you are misbehaving at a restaurant, right, you're causing a scene at a restaurant, you get thrown out of the restaurant, right? Right. You don't close it for everyone and kick everybody out, right? You kick you kick the offending person out. So on a plane, mid-flight, someone won't wear their mask, someone's being a dick, just push them out the exit door, right? Seems easy enough. Just lock lock them in the bathroom. Put one of those parachutes on them, like a skydiving apparatus to them, right? That would say, hey, this is how you use it. Pull the chute whenever you're three quarters of the way down or whatever, and you'll be fine. But you got to go. You got to put your mask on or this is, how you're, this, is, this is how you're exiting the plane. Right. Give them a choice. One hand mask, one hand parachute. They have to pick one. That's, that's my solution. Right. I agree. Yeah. That, that's about how I feel on it. All right. Uh, I guess mine is, as no surprise, related to food, buffet restrictions. You go to a, a go to an airport lounge, the best part of being in a lounge is the all-you-can-eat airport buffets, right? You go there, it's not five-star food, but compared to paying $15 for a bottle of water and a pack of peanuts at the local Hudson News, the buffets at the lounges are top-notch. So buffet restrictions have to go. I think some lounges still have buffets, but maybe like half to the majority don't. My most recent trip, you had to stand in a line and tell them what you like, point at what you wanted from the buffet, and then someone would like give it to you, and they would never give it to you in the portions you want. And you still have to stand in the line. To me, standing in the line one foot from the person in front of me is way more dangerous than just doing the buffet like a normal buffet. Anyway, buffet restrictions, anything that prevents my access to to food and buffets has to go yeah i agree you know the funny thing about COVID is you never thought that the continental breakfast could get worse than it already is but somehow COVID has made it worse because now you got to have everything wrapped in a little piece of plastic and anything that was actually fresh or hot is now gone yeah no food trends in general like not selling sandwiches that's a thing now right they don't sell sandwiches on flights anymore like they used used to be able to order i mean maybe some you can but like on short haul like United flights from Boston to Denver. You used to be able to buy a sandwich if you wanted one. And they don't do that anymore. They don't sell food. They don't sell sandwiches. They just give you the prepackaged like pretzels and that's it. Was that a COVID thing? I, I think it's a COVID thing. It's definitely a COVID thing. And it leads right into my next, uh, my next trend that I hope dies uh, next year, which is the resurgence of plastic to go where everywhere you go. Like it, it, it drives me insane. I, you know, I'm at the point now where when I do to go orders, which 
with a young baby. We're doing a lot right now. I'll note on the phone or over the internet order form, no napkins, no silverware, no sauce packets. And I would say 90% of the time that advice is ignored. I don't want all this trash when I'm ordering food, and I want to be able to bring my mug into the coffee shop and get it filled up instead of having to use a paper cup. Like, that has got to come back. Are you into sustainability? Yeah. You learn something new every day. Uh, well, wait, so you can, if you bring a mug into a coffee shop, they won't fill it up right now? Is that how it works? That that's that started coming back. That The, the later part of this year, now in some a lot of coffee shops, you can still do that. Uh, or do it again, I suppose. But for a long time, you couldn't. No, everything was to go only. They didn't want to touch your cup. They definitely didn't want to put your mug up to their coffee machine. Well, I'm, I'll tell you, I think this is a COVID thing as well. They used to, at like the local coffee shop, they used to give you a like a legitimate coffee cup. They give you like a real mug, and they put your coffee in that if you're going to sit there. Now, I think because they don't want to reuse stuff, they're trying to, I don't know, fight against germs. They're just doing plastic cups for everybody, regardless of whether you're there to stay or to go. I love that because I don't drink the coffee. I just buy the coffee so I could sit there, and then I throw it away outside. So previously, I'd have to specifically ask for a to-go cup and then sit there in the coffee shop and pretend to drink it and then go outside. I don't have to ask for anything. They always give me a... You uh, could just bring in your to-go coffee mug and just have them fill it up and just not drink it and then dump it out in the grass outside. I don't have a to-go coffee mug, Tim. Why do you think I have a to-go coffee mug? Maybe you should get one. There's no thing is like there's no grass to dump it in like it's it's like a city street it's like there's no green area it'd be weird then dump it in the street it doesn't have to go in the grass who cares where it goes that's weird there's like people on the street like like was this kid dumping out his coffee all the time no it's basically like so before I'd have to if they did give if I forgot and they gave me a real mug I would have to like just leave it there completely full and they'd be like why this kid order coffee sit here for three hours and then not drink any of it that'd be weird now it's like great i don't have to remember to ask for that they give me a plastic cup all the time i bring it with me i throw it out in the big trash can outside it's great fair enough so that's my take and also i I probably have talked about this before on the show how i don't drink coffee but just go in and, and pay for coffee just so i can sit at a table and be a paying customer but that's that's the uh the the context of this whole dilemma um, all right. Well, next one, next trend for me is staying in. It's that trend is starting to go away already, but staying in has become in vogue, I guess, during the pandemic. People got used to their routines. They got used to their shows. They were binging on Netflix. They got used to not going out. Not. I, I know some people who just went out to the bars for the first time ever, like two or three weeks ago since the start of COVID because they were just, just gotten to it. Not because they were afraid, just because they got into a habit they're just like yeah i just haven't gone out like i I got used to uh my life inside and that trend is dying i see it kind of coming back a little bit with omicron but i'm hoping that that continues that's just a bump in the road and that trend continues to fade out as we go into 2022 because staying in humans did not evolve to stay in okay we're social beings we like to go out we like to socialize we like to uh some more than others i understand that but we're not meant to be cooped up in our houses by ourselves watching tv all right, Evan. Well, you know what? I'm going to make my final trend in agreeance with your final trend because I, I agree. It's time to get back out there and uh, not be af- not not be afraid of all the hype. All right, I like that. I like ending on a uh, conciliatory note. That's about it. Yeah, we'll we'll see you guys. We'll ba- we're back to normal episodes next week. But if you are going to stay in, 
stay in next Tuesday morning and tune into our next episode because we're going to be dropping, as usual, a new episode every single Tuesday. Get excited for some awesome guests in 2022. We've got a great lineup for you. We're excited to keep talking travel, keep hitting you with our hot takes, and meeting a lot more fascinating characters around the travel industry. That's it for us today. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us, of course, a five-star review. And if for some reason you want to follow what we're up to, I'm Flow underscore on Instagram, and he's TimWinger1. Also, a big shout-out and thanks to our producer, Alex Halkey, executive producer, Katie Hetrick, our email marketing guru, Kelsey Wilking, the Matador social crew, and everyone else on the team who puts up with us on a daily basis. We'll see you guys next week.